Welcome to the Dimensions book series by K. Arwen. An extraordinary tale of an inner journey and a battle of good against evil. In this podcast, the heroine Kaya tells her own story from book one, The Awakening. Our journey begins on the Scottish Isle of Skye. Parallel realities interconnect and interweave. Step in and enter Dimensions. I swim along the bottom of the healing lagoon carrying the crystal and then whoosh up to the surface to look for Gwynedon. I have it, I call. Gwynedon sitting at the edge of the lagoon, looking somewhat pensive. That's great, he replies, but can you come and help me with the pipefish? I laugh as I see how the pipefish are swarming around him. They won't hurt you. It's easy enough for you to say, he replies. But I'm not you. I can't talk to them like you can and explain why I'm here if I'm not sick. I get out from the lagoon and send energy to the fish, sending them images of the crystal and of me bringing the three crystal shards of the dragon's heart crystal back together and how that can help the lay dragons. The pipefish pause as though listening and then begin to disperse. Gwynedon relaxes. I look down at the crystal that I'm holding Out of the water, it doesn't glow, but just looks like an ordinary crystal. I glance across the lagoon and then up at the white towers next to them. I wish I could stay. I've so much to remember. Well, you can come back, Gwynedon replies. You won't forget this time. You've evolved through human incarnation and human consciousness. You can change form as you please and, well, come and go as much as you want to now. I smile. Well, in that case, I'd best be getting back to the third dimension and finish this. Well, I'm coming with you, Gwynedon says, his voice determined. I'm about to protest, but he speaks first. The way I see it is you need all the help you can get. Leodolf is right. The Matrix Lord isn't just going to sit back and let you succeed in defeating him. I'll stay in the loch with Pendragon, and that way I'll be nearby if you need any help. We walk past the white towers to where the sea dragon is lying across the path. As we approach, it raises its head and begins to slide out from the flowers. I'll carry you, he says. It'll be quicker. I watch as the enormous sea serpent uncoils its body from amongst the tree trunk-like stems. And I recollect being Meg in the rowing boat. I remember the mist and seeing the huge serpent in the water. And the penny drops. That was you. You were in the loch all that time ago. The sea serpent lowers his head majestically. 
and looks down at me and smiles. I often go into the lochs and observe what's going on, it says in a voice, and I can understand it perfectly as though it's speaking English. I've watched over the affairs of man for centuries. I smile. If only mankind could accept that. If only they would allow themselves, well, to see. They will, replies the sea serpent, eventually. Wait! I turn and see a wiener running down the path towards us. Wait, she calls again. You're not going to go this time without saying goodbye. She races towards me and throws her arms around me. You come back sooner and I've got you this. She holds out her hand and gives me a silver bangle. It'll help you remember, she laughs. I take the bangle from her. It's made of a silver-like metal but appears to be fluid like water and within it tiny silver fish seem to be swimming, giving the impression that they're swimming around the bracelet. It's beautiful. Thank you, but I promise I won't forget this time. I give her a hug and, turning towards the sea dragon, I swim up onto his back with Gwynedon. See you soon, I say, waving to Owena. And then, with one flick from the sea serpent's tail, we whoosh away, swimming like lightning speed through the water. I laugh in exhilaration as we swim through the portal and back into the third dimension where Pendragon's waiting. This is just like old times, I say to Pendragon as we whiz past. He tosses his green mane and swims at full speed, but even he's no match for the sea serpent, and I grin as we speed ahead. The sea serpent finally slows its pace. I stop here, he says. The water's too shallow from this point on. Gwynedon and I slide off his back. Well, thanks. Until we meet next time and I touch the serpent on his snout in a farewell gesture. Farewell, Iana. Speed be yours. He arches his back, breaking the surface of the water like an enormous whale, and then in an instant he's gone. I'll wait here too, Gwynedon says, as Pendragon scoots me onto his back. Give me a shout when you come for a swim. I grin, feeling alive and happy. All of a sudden I've got friends and family, people who really love me in two dimensions. I feel like the richest person on earth. Gwynedon gives me a hug. Well, see you tomorrow, perhaps, he says with a smile. Then Pendragon and I race to the shore, creating an enormous wave on the surface. And as we approach the shoreline, he leaps from the wave and transforms into the white stallion. I laugh and cling to his back as we gallop along the shoreline. I catch sight of Leodolf and wave as he comes running down to meet us. Kaya! he exclaims, coming to a sudden halt. You're blue. Yes, I'm feeling the cold now that I'm out of the water, I reply as I slip off Pendragon's back. No, I mean it. You're blue, repeats Leodolf, pointing at my body. I look down to see that I'm still in my Atlantean form. Oh, that. I close my eyes and begin to breathe deeply. I focus now on the sounds, not of the sea, but of the shore and the trees and the sky above me. And I become aware of the birds and of the wind and the the ground beneath my feet. And then I open my eyes, Leodolf staring at me in amazement. So you can change as and when you want to now, he says. I now look completely human. I guess so, I reply.
I turn back to Pendragon. See you sooner this time. The white horse that's Pendragon rears on his hind legs and then gallops back into the sea, whinnying. And I pick up a white shell from the beach, kiss it and place it at the water's edge. I love you all, I say. It's funny, I feel shivery but not as cold as I perhaps should do. It's funny, really. But Leodolf takes off his jacket and throws it around my shoulders nevertheless. Come on, Kaya, coffee and a hot bath, doctor's orders. Oh, I've missed coffee, I reply. Sounds great. How long have I been gone? Three days, Leodolf replies in a solemn voice. I'd have been more worried, but I figured that you were safe. Three days? That long? Time is different in different dimensions then. It only seems like a few hours for me. I open my hand and show him the crystal, and for a moment it glows deep lilac and then shimmers light onto our faces in a, in a blue before going back to being dull. Wow, you got it, Leodolf says. I sure did, and much more. Besides, I've so much to tell you. We begin to walk towards the house, and there's the sound of excited yapping, and my dogs run towards us. It's good to see you too, I say, as they begin to dance around my feet. Boy, you can run fast when you want to. I bet you could even give Pendragon a run for his money. Just as I finish saying that, a large wave crashes onto the shore behind me and I turn but the sea still looks calm. I did don't think that Pendragon agreed with me saying that at all. Later that day I'm sitting writing in my journal, just really grounding myself and getting my thoughts together, thinking about the crystals and the Matrix Lord and Humanity aspiring to evolve and how he has to overcome his fear in order to do so. It's funny really. It's a misconception to feel that you can grow and change without feeling fear. If you wait for there to be no fear, then unintentionally you'll wait forever. I think for me, with what I'm facing, I've come to the conclusion that fear is just an emotion You can't eradicate it from your vocabulary of feeling. Just as you can't eradicate frustration or discontent or any of the emotions that humans label as being negative. I mean, after all, they're just energy, aren't they? And energy has to flow. It's only when you try and resist stuff or mask them that tension's created and then you become stagnant. I think emotions have to be had, but not, but not allowed to have you. Anyway, my policy from now on is going to be, Hi, fear, great to see you, but take the back seat and be quiet. I close my journal and place it back on the bookcase next to Meg's. And I run my hand down the worn leather and then go through into the kitchen where Leodolf's at the sink scrubbing varnish off his hands. Round one to the varnish then, he grins. You should see the state of the workshed floor. Your dog decided it was going to drop its ball into the varnish tin and then try and dig it out. Oh, sorry, I say. She has got a bit of a ball fetish. She's a total pest. 
Hey, it wasn't you who knocked the varnish all over the floor, replies Leodolf. Just the mutt. It'll be all right when it goes off. She'll be rock hard and we can fasten her to the front of the boat by way of a figurehead. I laugh. So much for your early start. I'll help clean it up. I've just about done. I threw sawdust on it. I've just got to pop out and get some more varnish, but I'll still get it finished by tonight. And the guy's not coming to see the boat until tomorrow, so it's all good. Are you going past the cafe? I ask. Mind if I come with you and pop in and see Wilma? Of course, it's a date, Leodolf replies. It's a beautiful sunny morning and I'd expected the cafe to be busy. And yet when we pull into the car park, we're the only ones here. As soon as I enter the cafe door and call to Wilma, she appears from the kitchen looking flustered. Kaya, I'm so glad to see you, she gives me a hug. Just checking that you're still here. I haven't seen you these last three or four days and I've been really worried. Been a few developments with the conspiracy investigation, I reply with a laugh. It's a very long story. Well, that's exactly why I was worried, Wilma says, her face serious. There were people here, Kaya. They've come a few times in the last few days. They're asking about you. People, Adolf says. Wilma walks to the counter and begins to make three coffees. On the house, she says, as she places the soya milk into a jug and indicates the chairs near the counter. Yeah, two men, she continues, if that's what you can call them. Their eyes are as dark as anything and totally blank of expression. No joy or life in them. Hmm. I throw a glance at Leodolf and his face looks grim. Skinwalkers, he nods. Skinwalkers, Wilma asks, handing us a coffee. We tell her all about what's happened over the last few days and, well... I knew you were getting yourself mixed up in something big, but I didn't think it hit home until these men, well, skinwalkers, if that's what they were, came in here looking for you, she replies with a shudder. You best be on the lookout. I don't think for one minute that they're after your autograph. No, neither do I. Well, if they call in again, I'll just say you've checked out from where you're staying and that's as much as I know, Wilma says. Oh, thanks. They might assume that I've left the island then. Only they won't think that at all, Leodolf says later, as we're driving back from the hardware store. I look at him from the passenger seat. I know, but Wilma was so upset, I hadn't got the heart to tell her that they have ways of tracking people's energy. I don't like it, Kaya. I didn't like you being in Atlantia these last few days, but at least you were safe. Now all of a sudden, the threat from the Matrix Lord is right in our face again does feel that way, I agree, looking out of the window at the pine forest. At least I've got two pieces of the crystal now. I just have to figure out how to get the third piece from the base. Yeah, right into the lion's den, Leodolf mutters as he turns into the drive. We better think, figure something out quick. We walk up the track past the house to his workshed and he slides the door open. Oh, hell, I say, looking at the state of the floor. Carnage. I told you, Leodolf replies with a chuckle. Your dog doesn't do things by halves, does she? I fetch a shovel and broom from the rear of the workshed and begin to sweep up the sawdust. 
Thanks, Lidov says. No bother, it's the least I can do. My black and white dog comes running into the shed with yet another ball in her mouth. Another one, exclaims Lidov. Where does she get them all from? I've no idea, I reply. She's a ball magnet. She finds one on nearly every walk. The trick is, just don't touch it. As soon as you do, you're doomed. I begin to sweep the sawdust into a heap, ready to shovel it up. And my dog promptly drops the ball onto the pile of sawdust and sends it shooting back out across the floor. Yep, enough to test the patience of any saint, Leodov says as he opens the new tin of varnish. No, Missy, you can keep well away from this. I've learnt my lesson. And he carries the varnish to the hull of the boat. It's a pity this boat hasn't got a name, I say, as I watch Leodolf applying the last coat. I thought all boats had names. Just having a number, it's so functional, says Leodolf. I agree, but I can't argue. I'm just the dude who supplies said boat. No say in what it is or isn't called. There's a sudden howl from the forest behind the workshed and Leodolf stiffens. He looks at me and I stare back at him in silence as the howling comes again, this time considerably nearer. Leodolf puts the brush down on the rim of the varnish tin and runs to the door of the workshed as Fraser comes running along the track towards us. Here or the house? The house, I guess, I reply. Come on then, run, Leodolf says. I glance around the workshed and then sprint down the track towards the house, closely followed by my two dogs. I get to the door and open it and let myself in. Leodolf stops at the door. I'm going up into the forest with Fraser. See if we can head them off. You stay here and keep the door locked. I nod and close the door, lock it behind me, as Leodolf and Fraser run back along the track towards the forest. Leodolf and Fraser ran through the forest and caught sight of the wolves through the trees. Fraser veered off to the left and Leodolf continued running in the direction of the pack. He had no trouble keeping up with them and neither should he. Wolves were, as they say, in his blood. He grimaced as the thought crossed his mind. He'd have to tell Kyra at some point, perhaps when all this was over. He scrambled up a small bank and stopped still. The walls appeared to have disappeared. Leodolf looked around him in dismay and disbelief. The bank opened out onto a wide clearing and there was absolutely no way the walls could have cleared it and got into the tree so quickly. He looked around at the edge of the clearing for any telltale sign but his instincts told him that the walls had gone. Hearing a slight noise behind him, Leodolf turned, half expecting to come face to face with one of the wolves, thinking that perhaps one of them had somehow circled around behind him. But it wasn't a wolf, it was Fraser. They've given us the slip. Fraser gave a short whine. And there was a sudden chill as a dark shadow filled the clearing and whipped up a slight wind. Leodolf shivered and automatically looked up at the sky expecting to see a rain cloud. Instead, he saw a cube collective ship momentarily uncloak. It remained stationary for a split second and then shot into the air, cloaking as it did so. Kaya! 
Leodolf turned and raced back towards the house. Surely she had stayed inside. Surely she had kept the door locked. Yet Leodolf knew that it was all wishful thinking. His instincts were telling him the dreadful truth. The cube collectors had finally got what they came for. Thank you for listening. And so that you don't miss an episode of Dimensions from the book series, please follow my podcast, Dimensions the Book Series, KRWIN. If you're interested in exploring Atlantean light language and the ascension pathway within Kayamea, then check out kayamea.co.uk or reach out to me on my blog site, krwin.co.uk. I leave you now with some Atlantean light language. Enjoy.